We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, Deal Dash, and NFL Sunday Ticket. I am Pete, rejoined by Darius after a show off, after Joey Horton Tucker Ramirez uh, filled in admirably in his shoes. And in that last episode, we talked about what are we worried about with the Lakers and what are we not worried about. And for me, the thing I've been most worried about is how long that we've waited to flip the switch. I thought that in that Denver game, that was a game where we really tried. Uh, the lid came off of the bucket for a few of our shooters. LeBron, Danny Green, Marquise Morris hit a couple shots. The offense clicked in a way that it hasn't in the bubble, but the defense was atrocious. Uh, Kuz hit a game winner, which was great to see, considering the progress he's made, and we'll talk more about that. But the Lakers struggled to pull out a win in what was fairly close to what I think their playoff rotation will be against a Denver team that in the last stretch of that game was not playing their main guys. Their 
subs were playing freaking great. I think that that's, uh, you know, worth noting. But the Lakers do not look like they are on the precipice of a championship right now. They're not so they're firing going to need on all cylinders. To. They're not firing on all cylinders. Right. That's right. And so they're going to need to flip the proverbial, proverbial switch in circumstances that are unusual. We've never seen a team flip a switch in that manner. It also looks like we have a date with Destiny and Damian Lillard, who I will be referring to as Mr. Lillard until the conclusion of that series, because that is a bad dude. And uh, I, you know, I will be treating him with the utmost respect. Um, what he's capable of, of doing uh, reminds me a lot of Kobe mentality wise. And I don't know if you got to catch any of that game. It was just phenomenal him and, uh, and Dallas going at it. But so, yeah, we find ourselves at this place where we're not alone. The Clippers aren't playing great and they're not playing all their guys the bucks have been stumbling through the bubble as well but yeah we're not clicking on all cylinders so you actually had an interesting observation to this about specific players specifically lebron about some things you've seen that have caught your attention so we talked a bit about this before the show i wanted to hear your thoughts more in depth uh on here so what what are you seeing from lebron i mean a lot of things you know, which is, I guess, a classic Darius answer there. Um, but the idea of flipping the switch is an interesting one, especially when you look at it from LeBron. Like, LeBron came into the bubble sort of talking long game still, right? And big picture, even though there were only, you know, a few sort of scrimmages and then eight C seeding games. He And you had mentioned this a couple of pods ago, Pete, but, but you had said that LeBron was still saying stuff like, the regular season is a marathon and then the playoffs are a sprint, right? And, and he had sort of signaled these eight games as being a part of that marathon, which was a sort of a different framing than I think you and I had envisioned around these eight games as a real ramp up to get ready for the playoffs. And over the course of the C seeding games, I don't know. I, I guess I have more questions about LeBron than I thought I might have with only one seeding game left before the playoffs start. Like what are the, what are your big questions about him from what you've seen? Against Denver, and I noted this on on Twitter a little bit, at the start of the game, he looked like he was not physically all of the way there. Um, he didn't look as explosive. His first step didn't look as quick. Um, you, you know, there were, there were just a couple of plays um, in in that first quarter, and then even when he came back, to, to start the second quarter where I just thought he was actually trying to do some things on the court and things actually just weren't going his way. Like he was not getting the advantage that he would expect to get from a play. Like he got downhill. I think it was an open court play and he got downhill some. It, it, it was sort of a semi-transition. So Denver was back, but he he sort of zigzagged in, well, into the lane. He left his feet, and then it's almost like he didn't like jump as high as he thought, or jump or get as close to the rim as he thought. And so he looked to pass. There was no one to pass to, and he literally just threw the ball to a Nugget player. Um, 
There was another play where he sort of did his his patented spin move, um, and he just sort of lost the ball, which is not something that typically happens on that play, right? Like you've mm-hmm. I've seen LeBron totally lose his handle on like crossover plays or on plays where he's sort of stepping through through traffic a little bit. He often like um you know, taps his arm to to the ref basically saying like I got mm-hmm. hit, right? I got hit. Mm-hmm. Um but he just didn't look like he had it all of the way there physically um in the first part of the game. And then to close the half, he looked like a totally different dude, right? Like he was pushing the ball up court um, to close the half. He was pushing the ball up court fast and he was really pushing the tempo. He had that spring back. He like he hit a couple of threes and there was just more life in in his legs. And I don't know. And I said this to you before the pod. We've been watching LeBron now for almost two full years now. And I think I can tell the difference between when he's coasting versus when he might not have it that night Mm -hmm. or even for that particular stretch of game. Um, I think I can tell the difference. For example, in the second half against the Nuggets, there was a stretch where I thought he clearly went into I'm coasting mode. Um, but to start the game, I did not think he was coasting. Now, before the pod, you had mentioned to me that you thought that maybe he was just not going hard. And and it's more, it's more, there's more to it than that. Right. So the, I think he's not utilizing every tool that he has at his disposal. He's no longer capable at 35 of getting downhill against anybody whenever he wants. Um, he's There are 22, 25-year-olds who, from a quickness and just kind of springiness standpoint, can match up with him, right? Those guys cannot handle him down on the block, which is not somewhere where we've seen him all that often. So what I've seen is he's generally operating as a perimeter player exclusively in these bubble games and hasn't gone down to the block against guys where that would be his advantage. And I think that if we were playing in a playoff series against that team, he would be taking that younger player like, oh, I'm not faster than you, but I am stronger than you. I'm definitely smarter than you and able to leverage those skills. But he's not able to like, oh, I don't have the advantage over this guy from the perimeter and just overwhelm him, right? In the way that he, especially since he's not a pull-up mid-range guy, sure, uh, he's that he's not quite as like plant the foot in the ground and elevate. He can power through, but it's more like his power is more horizontal now than vertical as it used to be. Now he's still like. A monster in this respect, right? I don't want to act like, and there are plenty of guys where he does that ha- have that advantage against, and he does get to the rack. But I think that in terms of coasting, I like I think he's trying for the most part, right? To defensively is where I see him coasting more. But on offense, those plays where I've seen him struggle, or you know, you mentioned like the, the turnover and and the kind of these plays where like, oh, he was going hard there, it just ended up looking really bad. Was more like that's not your advantage against this team in that situation than 
and and just him not wanting to go through the that that is my that's what I think our our ultimate trump card is on this team is LeBron down on the block. I think we really wanted to get a lot of touches for AD in the post. We had some rough possessions out of that in these bubble games, but I think that when pressed, if if we really need a bucket. LeBron's either going to be able to do that from the perimeter or down on the block, depending on who it is. I just don't think he's looking to put himself through all of that right now. So it's not so much coasting as it is not accessing everything that he can access to defeat a guy. So you've basically almost changed my mind here with that. Hey, you know, happens about once a year with anybody, not just you, just, you know, um, because I think that that makes sense. I I would also frame it within the context, if I could sort of rephrase what, what you're saying, is that he's not... You said that he's not using every tool in in his bag. It also sounds like, to me, you're, you're saying he's, he's not going to waste anything mm-hmm. and... Like, he's not, like, almost like they say, like, a boxer only has so many rounds in him, right? Right. That That's a great point, and th- he's an older boxer. He's, like, an older champion, a welterweight, a heavyweight, like, you know, those type of guys who, yeah, that's ex- that's a great, great analogy. So, in the same way that he's not going to go in the phone booth right now if he was a boxer and trade body blows inside— with why with with a guy right now because he knows that he's going to have to do that at some point during the playoffs mm-hmm. and why use use that up now is that sort of what like the yeah. argument that remember Co- do you remember gosh what year was this we didn't end up winning the title that year but we were down by like nine to the old chris paul hornets and kobe ended up dunking on a mecca okafor yes do you remember that play yeah. it was a playoff game yeah I think we beat them in six or something. That was the like year that. they lost to Dallas. So that was the mm, two I, eleven. I believe that was two thousand eleven. Co- that sounds right. Kobe right. had sprained his ankle earlier mm-hmm. that series, and the only reason why I remember that was because his two big dunks, the dunk over Okafor, uh-huh. that was a two footed jump, uh-huh. and he had had another dunk that same game or the next game, and. It was a left. It was a big left-handed dunk, and the reason why mm-hmm. I remember that was because I believe it was a left foot or ankle injury that he was dealing with, and I thought, right. oh, it's interesting. Like he's not, because Kobe was a great one-legged jumper, like as as a dunker, mm-hmm. he would often take off with with one foot, and so it surprised me that like his hammer dunk was off two like two feet sorry for the kobe tangent right no there, no but, no but that was just a no, memory I'm, that that just no a but, memory for me. but i think that those details kobe spoke to the point that you were making a moment ago in that that's why i brought it up was because he made a comment afterward I, i'm paraphrasing here but like i only got so many of those left in me so i've got to be choosy as to when i i do that and i think that that's similar you know lebron at his age and getting older is in a similar position where he's only got so many of those left. And that when, when Kobe did that, we were in kind of a funk. We were, like I said, we were down by like eight or nine. I think the series was tied at one or there was just something where like we, we were better than that team, but we weren't the best version of ourselves. Yeah. 
And that's something that's important, right? And it's important that the Lakers get to that. Let's take a little break and let's talk about the best version of the Lakers because a lot of things are still in flux. The starting lineup, the rotation, we've got a lot of new guys and nothing's, I think, entirely settled with just a game left where I think there's a decent chance they sit a lot of guys in that final game and we just got one more to go. Let's, you know, keep everyone healthy for the playoffs. So yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll talk about how the Lakers can get to flipping that switch and get clicking on all cylinders. Sundays are coming back with the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's a bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means that every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code LAKERS20 or DealDash.FM backslash LAKERS20. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash LAKERS20. So yeah, in this last game, uh, KCP's Iron Man streak broke at a hundred and some odd, you know, hundred and sixty some odd games, and we started Kyle Kuzma, who was tremendous as he has been throughout most of the bubble, and it was the best the offense had looked. Like I said, we were rough on the defensive end, but with Avery Bradley opting out, unlike the other top contenders the Lakers don't have an established starting lineup where it's like, oh, those are the guys that got us here to this point. In fact, that five-man grouping, last I checked, was the had the worst net rating of any five-man grouping that had played however many minutes it was to qualify. We don't need the stats. That starting lineup has been getting thumped, the one with KCP, Danny Green, LeBron, AD, and JaVale. Now, I think there's some individual reasons uh, JaVale and KCP and Danny Green, quite frankly, have not played their best basketball green saw some shots go in uh in the last game big shots but, in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. those were big yeah, threes anyways and well so th- we're kind of kind of getting to that i i think that the kuzma game winner was actually kind of an important shot it's easy to forget and maybe harder to get to for this lakers team without a crowd without feeding off the energy of staples or even the great road crowds that laker fans uh you know, the Lakers attract is the the positive mojo of this team, the the fun that they were having was so integral to their identity. And they're going to have to capture that in the joy within each other, right? And seeing, I was going through the, the melts today, all the footage and whatnot, and they got all the shots of the bench and whatnot. And LeBron, LeBron was especially like really excited about Kuz. And he said some kind of definitive things afterward, right? Yeah, and uh, just to jump in, I loved how LeBron. You can see it in the main clip that everyone captured online, right? 
but right when Kuz hit shot the shot, LeBron in Game the time. background walking off with his hand up. I thought that that was just like what? Oh, and I I don't know if you saw the clip that I posted right because I. Cause, uh, I the way I get the clips, I can like mute the, the announcers. And so as he's pointing like that, you hear him call in the background, game time. Like, like that's, ah. that's in, right? As he's walking away, game time. And Kuz hits and goes, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, DM it to you when we're, when we're done. And uh, yeah. So LeBron was just super into it. And it was a great play call. It was the, probably the first, like, I mean, Vogel's run some some good ATOs, but like in a game winning situation, it was the first one. Where it was like, yeah, that was that was a sweet. Yeah, you sweet should. Play. If you didn't see it, and I'm not sure if you saw, it, but I retweeted it on my timeline last night. Coach um, Piper. Yeah, half court hoops uh-huh. yeah. on Twitter. Um, he did a great breakdown of sort of the origins of of that play that sprung from a quote that I think Dave McMenamin got. Um, post game where Vogel had sort of explained that um, the roots or the origins of, of that play come from something that, that coach uh, Budenholzer. Yeah. That coach Bud actually ran with the Hawks a long mm-hmm. time, time ago. And so, um, so half court hoops did a great job of sort yeah, of showing really the history cool. of that. And then even showing the time that the Lakers ran that play earlier this year against the Suns, which netted, KCP like a two point jumper that was also a made shot. So so just mm-hmm. some just some stuff for you guys to look for because it really was yeah. a great uh, like a great play play design and really good execution. Started with a great screen by Kuz. Mm-hmm. That was just a really great screen, screen mm-hmm. um, that set the whole thing in motion. Right. Sure. And then he slipped it perfectly. No, it was just and it was so with the idea of the Lakers kind of thriving off of good mojo, it wasn't just that we hit a game winner. I mean, that was a frustrating game either way. I don't want to act like that wasn't that it wasn't, but they hadn't like, I haven't been worried, but they haven't been clicking and they haven't had much to build off of. But the one real bright spot of the bug bubble been Kyle freaking Kuzma, man, check him out. Right. And growing up right before our eyes as a basketball player and really putting together that dynamic scorer that we saw in these more freewheeling environments of summer league and a team a couple years ago without LeBron and even last year with LeBron. Right. But in, but he struggled to be that in this season where he had more like the types of mistakes he would always make. You see that with the Sacramento Kings now in a Luke Walton coach team in the new Orleans Pelicans with how they defended. There's some, habits that had been built up that were like if this guy's going to be a championship caliber rotation player he needed to be broken down and built back up and i think the break was enormously helpful for him to catch up missed all of training camp yeah had time he obviously worked on his body on his game did whatever he could during that time to capitalize on it and and really credit to him because he came in ready to go uh so him after playing so well and putting in all that work the coach draws up a game winner not for LeBron James, not for Anthony Davis, but for Kyle Kuzma. And using those other guys as as uh, deception, right, as uh, decoys. That's right. And he comes off and he jump stops and turns in midair, stays on the balls of his feet, and just drills that thing over, over Bulls contest. And you could see, this is something I, as I get older, I'm getting closer and closer to my 40th birthday. Um, and I take a lot of joy in seeing younger people like get it 
Because that happened for me at like age 35, right? So Kuz is 10 years younger than that, where just at some point, and I hope if you're listening to this and you're younger, uh, I hope that's something that if you're always reflecting on yourself and trying to get better, that I think that for most people who have that mentality, that's going to happen in their lives, right? And that's something to look forward to is that moment where not everything, but a decent portion of life, you're like, oh, I get how all of this works. I get how kind of I fit into the world. And so the late Kuz's like Caruso is fair, fairly young. He's 27. Right. But Kuz is the youngest of the really important players on this team. And he, there's been a ton of leadership, man. Think of all the, the leaders uh, for a guy like that, the older positive male role models and all that, that Kuz has been surrounded by that were part of that process of breaking him down and building him back up. So the clips of the bench and of LeBron, Jared Dudley, uh, and, and there are many guys on the coaching staff as well, many other guys on the team, the joy that they took in seeing Kuz hit that game winner, it was different than if it would have been somebody, if LeBron hits the game winner, well, yeah, he's LeBron, man, or AD does something crazy and wins the game for He's Anthony Davis, but Kuz, there's just something where everyone was like, hell yeah like there's a special extra degree of gratification that i saw that um i think we need some of that positive mojo and to build off of that and to in order to flip the switch because what we don't have is the continuity of a starting lineup the continuity of a rotation markeith morris is you know played nine or 10 games before the break. And he's like the third, like there are two other guys who are newer than him and Dion waiters and J.R. Smith. So if we're not, if we're going to be a little bit sloppy, I do think that having fun and this team really playing for each other and having some positive mojo is all that more important. And I think that him hitting that shot was potentially a, a really big moment in this restart. Yeah. This was one of their calling cards, man. Like, throughout the season, I think if two of the main topics that I think have probably come up during every conversation that we've had about this team at some point was how much they liked each other, how much they really enjoyed playing together, and this sort of resiliency that they've had throughout the season um, with all the on- and off-court stuff that they've had to try to manage in order to get to the place where they are now, right? Like the number one seed in the Western Conference and about to hopefully go on a long, like a long playoff run. And I think both of those things have been sort of sapped a little bit in this bubble environment, right? Like the Lakers Mm -hmm. are one of the few teams that is sort of still talking about the strangeness of the bubble, Right. And mm-hmm. and some of the difficulties like LeBron had some quotes just the other day um, that he did not want to get into further for about like sort of like off the court stuff and, and just trying to manage it. Caruso had had quotes recently, right, where about not being as locked in within this environment and, and needing to find ways to, to sort of capture that same focus that he would get while playing in front of fans. And these are like, these aren't quotes from the scrimmages, right? Like a few weeks ago, these are quotes within the last like seven days and, and the playoffs are, are about to start. And the Lakers were so, 
you could tell are are still sort of adjusting and and it is great then for them to have like just one of those moments of pure joy like mm-hmm. one of those child like that's a childhood moment man like right that like that but is th- a th- you've got to lean into those you've got to lean into those in this environment right like it's this the most bizarre thing right like this game winning situation and being able seeing Kuz hit a game winner and you turn off the volume for the announcers and it's like they're at the at the at LA Fitness yeah and there's like some little bit of crowd noise pumped in if if Kuz hit that shot at Staples are you kidding me you know what i mean and like the environment and the buzz but you so you've got to be able to derive yeah. that joy and from the, just the ask, actual basketball. That's right. Right? Not all of the glory. I mean, we're going nuts online, right? But they don't feel that in the moment. But, like, look, man, it's the same for everybody. They're going to have to adjust for that. And it looks like we're gonna if we're going to do this, it's going to be Portland and then probably Houston and then probably the Clippers and then probably the Bucks, all of which without any degree of home court advantage. So if they're going to do it, like, look, man, it's not what I want either, but the circumstances are the same for everyone. They've got to be able to find that. That's part of their challenge of trying to win this title is adjusting to that. And I think that those joyful moments come from taking joy in the actual basketball. Yeah. And I think that joy and resiliency, those go hand in hand, right? Mm -hmm. That I think it's easier to sort of bounce back when, you are having fun, right? When like in the big picture, you can reflect or even in the moment, there is a big play that sort of pushes you forward. I actually thought there was another play earlier in the game where Kuz threw that lob to AD. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, like he floated it up there after he attacked that closeout. Um, AD, I think had drove middle and then spun and then kicked it to Kuz mm-hmm. up like in the left corner, Kuz drove hard, right hand, Bull stepped up, Kuz threw the lob back over the top to, to AD, who was lurking in mm-hmm. Bull, Bull in the, the dunker spot. And AD got a monster mm-hmm. lob dunk, and mm-hmm. he let out one of those primal screams that I don't, that's probably one of the first plays I've seen like that from this team during the bubble like there have been other sort of like big dunks and and like exciting plays but I felt like those were the types of plays that used to happen like almost every game or every other game right like and then we'd go on like a 16 nothing run exactly amidst that And, and there is sort of a showmanship nature to this Lakers team and they are going to have to start to do that more for each other than they can for the people in the stands. Because just like you mentioned yeah. earlier, the Lakers are one of those teams where they sell out every arena, right? And there's always going to be at least a at least a pocket of fans there that are raucous and rowdy and they're there mm-hmm. for them. And they and they didn't travel from LA. They came right from their house in Atlanta or in Chicago or mm-hmm. or in Miami or in some city in Texas right and or or it's the closest NBA game like 4 or 5 hours away and they don't live in that city right like there's a lot of laker fans that do that or that that one game in Atlanta like you know they're in Tennessee or something like that and they're making that drive yeah. and uh yeah that's how and that, honestly that is something i am genuinely worried about and hearing the players talk about it too that aspect of them being 
uh, having a showman quality to them and nobody to put on the show for or and at least receive that direct feedback from i that's something that it, it does worry me it does and i you know we see that on the defensive end man i don't know i could we, we can go on with this but i do think that's a big part of this team's dna yeah I, I also think too that this goes back to the idea of flipping the switch and it's one of the things that i don't want to say that i'm worried or concerned about it but i wrote about this the other day at at what forum blue and gold that Conjuring this sort of out of thin air, right, is in an environment that you cannot plan for, that there is no history of that that's going to inform your current, like, like your current situation, right? Like, like there is no experience that you carry in to this situation. So sort of conjuring what they need to conjure in order to get to the level that they need to get to in order to win four playoff rounds. Like that's not nothing. Right. No, and not at all. so when we were talking about LeBron earlier and, and I totally sort of got turned to your side about like him not wanting to, to, to sort of punch himself out before, like before the match even starts. Right. Like, like he's not going to, like he's 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 not going to go all out in sparring, which is basically what these games are right now. They're sparring matches. They are not the actual heavyweight fight. That the flip side of that is though is even if LeBron can summon that, he's well he's LeBron James. Can can the rest of the team, and what does that look like? How much time will they actually need? Or will it sort of just all fall back into place for them? And I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm concerned or worried. It's just a question that I have. And I'd prefer not to be asking that question at this point. I think I'd prefer to have a bit more evidence behind me in this environment that sort of informs my thinking that says, oh yeah, I'm not worried at all. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually positive because I'm already seeing it and mm-hmm. you see it in stretches. Now they turned it on a couple of different times against Denver. They turned it on against the Pacers. And I think, you know, even though they lost that game, there were a couple of stretches against them as well. And every game, except for a couple of the blowouts where they've just sort of looked totally disinterested, I mm-hmm. feel like they've had key stretches during each well, well, each each game where they've looked like themselves. I would just prefer to have like a whole half of that or three quarters sure. of that, right? But instead, we get that in a four-minute shift here or a six-minute right. shift there. And that might be enough to turn a seven-point deficit into, like, a five-point lead, right? Like, oh, they went Mm -hmm. on a 15-2 to run. Great, right? But there were times where they would say they would have a 10-2 to run, and then it might be a little bit of middling around, and then it's an 8-0 run, and then it's, like, a 16-5 to run, and then suddenly they're up 20, and you're like, holy hell, this team 
is ridiculous. And instead, Mm -hmm. there's just been a lot more sort of jostling and grappling and a lot of stuff where you're just like, oh, they're playing these teams even. And is that apathy or are these real or are these real problems? Like, I tend to think it's apathy in the big picture, but I'd like to not see it. Right. I mean, part of part of it, man, is. Part of what makes it look like that is we've been going four on five or even three on five and a lot like a hmm. couple of the dudes in the starting lineup have not played well. Let's get and to this. Have not looked good. Yeah, like this is something like Danny Green obviously had his has had his shooting struggles. It was nice to see him make those, but he was also on the other end. Like they were ISOing Danny Green with Jamal Murray. He hasn't looked good defensively either. Right? I th- and I do think he's been putting more and more positions that are not his strength like sure they put him on jamal murray danny green is no longer this like fantastic mm-hmm. point of attack defender right. he's a help guy right and, and telling them to guard the other team's point guard that hasn't ended well all season like sure i remember against in the first philly game where they played in philly when you know I think Joel Embiid didn't play play that game, and the Sixers just sort of overwhelmed the Lakers with their athleticism and length and how they were flying all over the court. Like, they put Danny Green on Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons just ate his lunch. And that Just athletically, it's no contest. Right? Yeah. But at the point of attack, it was just Danny Green was just getting blown by, and I felt like while Jamal Murray isn't that same type of player to just blow by you and get to the rim, right? He, that's not his his game. He was getting the type of separation to get a shot off right. however he wanted, whenever he, he wanted, and that made a difference. And so, yeah, like Danny Green's play has has concerned me. JaVale McGee's JaVale, play mm-hmm. has concerned me. Um, and Even KCP hasn't been great. Like you talk about the point of attack, that's something that KCP should – be the guy in that starting lineup where we are relying on him. And he didn't play against Denver, which is why Green got some of those possessions. And then we moved Kuz on to Murray, and Murray quieted down a bit. And uh, But, yeah, KCP's point of attack defense hasn't been great either. And so that when those three guys in particular, I, um, that's why the starting lineup has been particularly bad. And so then it goes to the question of, how quick of a hook should Vogel have? Because, and I would argue that be, for a couple of reasons. One, this is not our established starting lineup. I know they started 20 games during the season, and they went 17-3. and three. If you look up who we played in those games, we did not play good teams in most of those games. But that is not the group that got us here, right? We do not have our starters anyway so we're already trying to figure it out so there's no like argument to be made for we've got this great history with this starting five they're going to figure it out secondly having the four months off we talk about you know being ready and ramping up and there are going to be guys for a multitude of reasons that came back to this not ready to go right they've had four months stuck at home that's the thing too right like it's not they're not going on summer vacations and things that they would do in a normal yeah. off season and things like that. There's a very real chance that a significant percentage of the league is coming back, not ready to hit on all cylinders. And so with all of that already tossed up in, in flux in the first place, I think you need to 
go by the basketball and be like, who's playing well? Who are the guys that like that almost treat the pre-stoppage as last season? And like Kuz is ready to go right now. I if he were to start, like I, I think there's a strong argument to be made, especially since the nature if he's hitting his shot and he's so decisive in attacking his closeouts, he fits alongside LeBron and AD in a way where that lineup becomes really potent if Kuz is doing his thing off of the gravity of LeBron and AD. And so I am more inclined to be quicker with with a hook and or and quicker with lineup and rotational changes as a result of all of that. But of course you run the risk of losing guys and yeah. becoming this disjointed team that of lineups that have never played together before that don't know how to rotate on defense. Like that, that we've blown a lot of rotations. Dion waiters has done that. J.R. Smith. A lot of the new guys have been especially poor in, in that respect. JaVale's made some mistakes. So, uh, yeah, man, where where do you stand? I'm a little more hardline on this than I normally am, but I think it's time to like, like, look, you had your your time and whatnot. Like, either you're coming to hoop or you're coming out of the game. Yeah, my whole thing is is that I do worry about losing guys. Um, I do worry about sort of having like another thing to manage when it comes to all of this right um i think having a quick hook is fine i think that's fine um i think changing the starting lineup is probably harder um if i were going to make a change to the starting lineup um that is reasonable and i think probably wouldn't I'm stopping myself here be, be, because I'm honestly not sure if I would. I do not think you can bench JaVale and slide AD up to center without there being like real conversations before that happens and making sure that everyone is fine with that, especially mm-hmm. from Anthony Davis's side, um, mm-hmm. which then would push me back probably to saying, all right, well, let's start JaVale and probably have a shorter hook with him, like a quicker hook with him. And I might actually start Caruso over KCP. Is that like out of line to you? No, I it's not. And I, so we probably have Lillard coming up. Let's do this. Let's wrap it up. And we've got plenty to talk about. I think that uh, we'll do a playoff preview next once we know who we're playing because Caruso's Caruso was our best guard defending Dame. And I've watched a lot of tape on Dame for the last in the last week because I've suspected that, you know, we were gonna get him in in the playoffs. And that there's a longer answer to that question that I think if we end up playing the the, the Blazers, um, I, I think there's a strong argument to be made to start Caruso in KCP's place. I think there's a strong argument. So we will get to this next time. I think there's a strong argument to start Caruso regardless of regardless of, sure. of who the Lakers play. Um, just because I think that there are fundamental things that drive Laker success that have mm-hmm. driven success for this specific Lakers team that are 
real traits that I'm not saying KCP lacks them. I'm saying with the starting group, I think Caruso might give a little bit more of those, which will help balance things out a little bit more. But but this is a longer discussion, and I don't want to go another 20 minutes right now talk, talking about Alex Caruso when we're going to go Absolutely. again in like a couple of days. So so next time. Yeah, let's let's do that. Um, next next time we record, I think will be that playoff preview, or we'll record on Thursday. When will we know? We might. Maybe we should hold off on the next one until we know who our opponent is going to be. We shall discuss offline. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room podcast. And we will catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it. me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Miss it! Brian, yes, and that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?